0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com/slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, Member FDSC. When you're a 415 415.
1: You're all about your San Francisco 49ers.
0: And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more and more. Welcome to the
1: 415 hosted by Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy.
0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another edition of the 415ers podcast. Coming at you, as always, three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you. Mark, my man, what's going on? I'm doing well, Evan. How are you? I'm just uh, getting ready
1: for a Thursday edition of Niners Football. We're kind of off of off our rhythm because normally this is kind of a midweek episode, but no, instead we got to preview another football game, gearing up for Niners Seahawks. Should be a fun Thursday night,
0: no doubt. Week fifteen, pardon me. This was a week that a lot of people have penciled, uh, especially after I would say kind of around the bye week, around the time that the Niners were sort of wondering whether or not they'd be able to over take the Seattle Seahawks who are in first place for a lot of that middle portion of the season. So everyone's been looking forward to this for a long time. And especially with all the things that have happened in San Francisco surrounding, of course, the quarterback surrounding the six game win streak and surrounding now a chance to win the NFC West. uh, This is absolutely a big game. But the first place we want to start today, we'll get into the matchup and the preview on the back end is Debo Samuel and his injury that he sustained. Uh, Fortunately, of course, he was carted off the field this weekend but then we found out it was actually more of a a high ankle sprain mcl for debo samuel the timetable was three to six weeks originally but mark today uh, speaking today as we're recording on tuesday kyle shanahan referenced debo samuel as basically three ish weeks that around three weeks i should say that is the official report from kyle shanahan so some good news there
1: yeah and you mentioned kyle shanahan we have that sound i'm gonna play it for you really quick this is gigantic good news for the San Francisco 49ers. Here's Kyle Shanahan on Debo Samuel.
0: I mean, there's four weeks left in the season. I think they told me three-ish is our expectation. So right in that area.
1: So three weeks is the expectation. The Niners have four regular season games left. They play, of course, Seattle this this Thursday at Seattle, Washington at home at Las Vegas, and then Arizona. So there's a very realistic chance, Evan, that Debo Samuel comes back for the regular season finale against Arizona, maybe even an outside chance that he could play on the road against Vegas on New Year's Day, which would certainly be exciting. but it it raises the question, Evan, certainly it's it's gigantic great news that this isn't considered a season ending injury. that it seems relatively likely that he will not miss a postseason game. That's the good news. But then the question becomes with how well this Niner team is playing at this point, do you even need Debo Samuel in the regular season? Because I think there'd be a lot of Niner fans who would say, all right, just play it safe, not rush him back at all. Just get him back for the postseason and we'll go from there because the Niners shouldn't have much of an issue winning the NFC West and getting at worst the three seed in the NFC.
0: Yeah, that that's interesting to dig into two things off that one. I would say that Debo Samuel absolutely should, if he can play before the end of the regular season, because, well, you'd like to get him some work before the playoffs start yeah. to really test out that ankle slash MCL and see that he is indeed 100 percent healthy because he is a huge part of your offense. And even if it's not, you know, an entire game's worth of reps, you want to see him before the playoffs. That's one. Number two. Like we talked about in the last episode, you still have a chance at the two seed. And if it comes down to that final week where you're playing Arizona and you have a chance to win, you want all your weapons available. So Debo Samuel, to me, if the three-week mark is what he's going to be looking at, I would absolutely love to have him back. And in fact, want to make sure that he is back before the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And it's it's something that we've also talked about a lot. Um, throughout the course of the season, specifically after the Christian McCaffrey deal, we spent a lot of time talking about touches and which star player is getting the right amount of touches. Are fans upset at Debo Samuel's usage? Is George Kittle not getting enough actions? He not have the ball in his hands enough. And where I kind of fell on this conversation was, well, considering how many weapons you have on offense, Kyle Shanahan has so many to choose from. You don't really need to feed any one individual. Maybe Christian McCaffrey is the exception because he's far and away the best running back that you have. But still, you know, if if he was in an offense without Debo Samuel, without George Kittle, without Brandon Ayuk, he would certainly be getting more touches than he is right now. He's just being super efficient with those touches. But still, my argument really all season, or at least in the second half of the season after the McCaffrey trade, has been. Kyle Shanahan is not going to overuse any one of his individual weapons because he doesn't need to. Maybe there will be a time in the last week of the regular season, second to last week of the regular season, if things go poorly and they need to win to make the playoffs, that seems very, very unlikely at this stage. Maybe we see it in the postseason when then Kyle Shanahan just gets really stubborn and says, all right, Debo, Hopefully you're up for it, but you're getting 15 touches today. Like That's when that would come around. So I would tend to agree if he is 100% cleared by the medical staff, he's good to go. There's, there's no risk more than usual of re-injury to either his MCL, which he strained, or his ankle, which he suffered a sprain on, then sure. But even if he is playing, Evan, just get him – you know, a, a light amount of work. You don't want to give him double-digit touches his first game back. You you want to be safe about it, of course. But I think to answer the main overarching question, I will be surprised if the Niners, quote, need Debo Samuel in the regular season. The way that they are playing, they can easily beat this Seattle team. Maybe easily is the wrong word. It's not out of the question. They can certainly beat Seattle without Debo Samuel. Same goes for the commanders who are playing better football of late. Same goes for Las Vegas, and same goes now for the Kyler murray Arizona Cardinals. The Niners do not need Debo Samuel to to finish the season winning the rest of their games. It'll certainly help, but they don't need it. So I would just say be be cautious as much as you possibly can with Debo Samuel. Make sure he's a hundred percent or as close to it as possible when the postseason rolls around.
0: I kind of agree with that. I mean, sure, they don't need him, I guess, to get into the playoffs, but look, this is going to be a tough game on Thursday, right? I I don't know about you, to to me, Mark, and we'll get into our predictions towards the end, but this is a game that I think the 49ers have a chance to lose. Like, it's not a foregone conclusion that they'll walk into Seattle and beat the Seahawks. Then you get Washington at home next week. And I know that the Commanders are not necessarily a sexy team, but they're a hard-nosed, body-bag-type team that, to me, could give San Francisco issues because of their physicality, particularly up front. And then you get, the Las Vegas Raiders on the road. The Raiders have been one of the more inconsistent teams in the NFL when it comes to trying to predict what they're going to do on a week-in and week-out basis. The 49ers, I would expect to win that game. But again, I can't put it past Derek Carr to pull three late touchdowns out of his behind and Devontae Adams to get loose <laughs> in the secondary. So who knows? And then I think they'll win the Arizona Cardinals. That'd be the only game that I would expect them to win honestly, with some of their backups at this point, because Kyler Murray being out for the season now, tearing his, well, unofficially tearing his uh, ACL on Monday Night Football against the Patriots, that team is done. So to me, I'm looking at three games upcoming. Unfortunately, they're going to be the games that you don't have Debo Samuel, but I think they do need him in those type of games. So to me, like, yes, I'm not super worried about them having or not having him, uh, but he definitely could be used. And I, 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 I don't know if it's a bold take, but I do have a a, a bolder take for later in the, in the episode uh. about Christian McCaffrey's usage this upcoming week against Seattle. So I, I, I think that's, to me, where he factors in the most. I know you just talked about the touch distribution, but to me, Debo is, look, he's a part of the equation. And so his touches are going to go, to me, to Christian McCaffrey, and not other players. So... Like I think Debo will be missed this week, and I think he will be missed the next three weeks that he's out. He'll certainly be missed. I'm not
1: making that argument. I mean, this is a better forty nine er team with Debo Samuel on the field. I think only, you know, a clinically insane person would would think otherwise. Um, but I would disagree in saying I do not think the Niners need Debo Samuel to finish off the season on a high note. Obviously, I mean,
0: well, he- I. I- I I think they need him if they want to make the two seed, if they want to get the two seed.
1: I mean, I I guess it depends. I I think it's it's very possible that they do it without. I I think it's a near, I know this isn't what you just said. I think it's a near given, regardless of who plays for the 49ers. And this is just kind of a, you know, a, a mathematical probability. The Niners will win the NFC West, which means at worst, you will be the three seed. We talked about it, you know, my my hot take from months um, a month ago or so was Niners are going to be the two seed. And it's probably better to be the two seed than the three seed. However, is it going to make a gigantic difference? I'm not so sure. I mean, it's probably better to to get the 2 seed, of course. But it's not like it's, it's going to be something I think that makes or breaks your postseason chances, especially when you consider the fact that Debo Samuel should be back, relatively no questions asked, by the first postseason game for the 49ers. So if you're playing maybe a slightly better opponent that week, you you feel confident that you're gonna have Debo Samuel back, which would therefore you know increase your chances of winning that game. So I do not think that they need Debo Samuel back to accomplish everything they want to to close out the regular season. Now, when the postseason comes around, they absolutely do, which you know, I, I think you know for my reasoning, my my way of seeing things, it's not just the fact that I think they can handle business in the regular season without him. But it's the fact that he becomes so much more important in those big games. Debo Samuel is a big game, a big moment player. Without him in a postseason game, even if Christian McCaffrey is playing well, even if Brock Purdy isn't looking like a rookie, the Niners' chances plummet drastically. Debo Samuel is at his best in the biggest moments, which is why I would just say 49ers, do not give him too much if he returns for the final game of the regular season, because you need him more than any other time in the postseason. Just please make sure Debo Samuel is ready for that moment.
0: Yeah, and that's why, unfortunately, I think the next three games are. are like He is going to be missed. I mean, these are big games upcoming for the 49ers. He's a big game player, uh, is Debo Samuel. I mean, I think that, look, if we're talking about the 49ers and as far as, you know, what they can and can't be, and I think what you're leading into next is where we want to go, the expectations for the 49ers when it comes to being a contender. I mean, on on Tuesday, I know the Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker said that the 49ers are the second-best team in the NFL right now behind the Philadelphia Eagles, Hmm. and I think it was even – Stephen A. Smith on first take that had the 49ers as the second best team in the NFL. When we're talking about power rankings, the 49ers are involved in your top five, however way that you that you slice it with a third string quarterback. But Debo Samuel is a huge part of that to me. And if they want to reach that potential, that's where that has to go. And I I I think the next logical question for the conversation is: well, does it become super bowl or bust for the 49ers if they are contenders? If they are Favorites to some to be the second best team in the NFC and potentially be a better overall roster than any team in the AFC right now. Like, where are you at, Mark? I guess when it comes to the 49ers, to me, I would say, as I kind of have the entire season, even through the ups and downs of, of the quarterback position, look, make the playoffs. And once you make the playoffs, I would expect potentially a win. But I also don't think that to me it's necessarily a lost season if you if you go into the playoffs and take an L to one of the other NFC teams that I think are pretty good.
1: This is a tough question because the Niners have as much talent as any roster in the NFL. But you also have your third string quarterback, at least when we started the season, your third string quarterback, you know, as your starter now. And he is not just a rookie, but a seventh round pick rookie. So is it fair to say the 49ers are kind of in Super Bowl or bust mode this season? And this is more of a question, I think, from the outside. This is not how teams internally think. Um, So I would say from the perspective of Brock Purdy, it is absolutely unfair. But when you take the roster in totality and how well they're playing right now and what the rest of the NFC looks like, this Niner team will be favored against anyone in the NFC on any field not named the Philadelphia Eagles. When you consider the, tot- the totality of the roster, how the NFL season is playing out in front of us right now, I think there will be a lot of Niner fans who will be upset and disappointed if this team falls short of winning at all. And I know that's crazy talk coming from a team uh, that is starting a seventh-round rookie as their quarterback, but that is how talented the rest of this roster is and how open the NFC is for the taking.
0: Yeah, I do think that my expectation for this team has maybe risen, uh, especially over the last week with Brock Purdy. Before, I thought their Super Bowl chances left with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they've returned, but I would fall just short just because of the lack of experience and who knows, maybe Brock Purdy is this wonder kid that can go into the playoffs and play exactly the way that he has against two pretty decent opponents. Like I think Miami, as we saw last week is starting to fade. Um, they also have a very tough schedule. I wouldn't be surprised to see them potentially miss the playoffs overall with how good the AFC is Tampa Bay. I I, I don't know about you, Mark. I, I wasn't really impressed with them, but part of that is because yeah. of how good the Niners looked look I, for me. I I cannot place those types of that those types of hopes on Brock Purdy. Like I I, I'm coming at this from a perspective of I want to enjoy this season as much as I can because of how unique it's been. Maybe more unique than any other team that has walked through this 2022 season. And everything that they have gone through starting in the offseason through this season with the hypotheticals of what's going to happen next season to me, I, when it comes to Brock Purdy and this 49ers team, I do want to live in the moment, but also understand that a super bowl or bust means that anything short is going to be a disappointment. And to me, I I can't be disappointed with where this season has gone considering everything that they've been through. And I don't know. I'm sure the team would be disappointed. Obviously, you have a chance each and every year with, you know, a roster like they do to win a Super Bowl. But I also think that, look, I, I just I just can't expect Brock Purdy to do everything that so far it looks like he can and not expect that train to eventually come to a screeching stop.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult situation to be in because you're asking. A young quarterback and Brock Purdy to do so much more than any other rookie quarterback has done in NFL history, right? I mean, there's no rookie quarterback as the starter has won a Super Bowl. So you're asking literally for NFL history to be made, which would be um, great.
0: That'd be fantastic. That'd be really cool.
1: It would be. It would be incredible. It would you know go beyond belief in some respects. But then when you look at what the rest of this team is, and are we going to talk? about the, the game against the Seahawks coming up and, and, you know, keys to the game and, and position battles and, and how this Niners defense can limit kind of a, a new look Seattle offense from when they played them last. When, when you consider how good the Niners defense is, and we we just talked about Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and, and all the other weapons, there is kind of a sense. Yes. Brock Purdy has his hands full. Absolutely. This is, going to be an incredibly tall task for him to not just win a Super Bowl but to get through postseason football without much experience right I mean most of the other rookie quarterbacks who played postseason football had been starters you know their entire their entire that entire first season leading up to that playoff run Brock Purdy doesn't have that ability he's he's kind of going into it Blind almost with these last five games as, you know, presumably his first five starts of his career. But then you also consider the rest of the roster and you have to imagine there has never been an easier job for a third string quarterback in NFL history. There has never been a team as complete as perfectly built as constructed as as good as this team is constructed for a third string quarterback than this one. It's still a challenge, a gigantic challenge at that. But Evan, I'm not so sure that there has ever been a third string quarterback who is as, I don't know, well-equipped because of who he has around him to do the job potentially than you have right now with Brock Purdy for the San Francisco 49ers. Because you consider the weapons they have on offense. You consider how good their defense is. You consider the fact that they're going to get at least one home playoff game. And they'll probably be favored in a second playoff game if they get that far. It's a challenge, of course, but it's not nearly as challenging as it is for other backup, other third string quarterbacks, other rookie quarterbacks because of how good the team is around them.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, if, look, if you said this is the best situation for a third-string quarterback in the history of the NFL, I would be hard-pressed to find an example just because of how <laughs> few there are. Exactly. Uh, but I i think your your greater point is one that I am kind of going back and forth on. And, and the theory that I have about this 49ers run, however far they go, to me will be more of a test of styles and a style that has kind of been done away with in recent NFL years. The NFL has become a pass-first league that has been largely dependent on a dynamic quarterback that can beat you through the air, can extend plays, and or beat you with their legs, some combination of both. That's what every head coach, play caller, is clamoring for, that type of quarterback. And that's the quarterback that is going to be the reason why you get over the top. To me, this... San Francisco 49ers team, if they can, as we've laid out, basically do the impossible, win the Super Bowl, or to me, even get to the Super Bowl would be unbelievable. It will turn back the clocks because this team is predicated on a dominant defense. It is predicated on a ground and pound running game and one that is meant to wear you down and lean on you as an opponent. And so if the 49ers... Brock Purdy aside, can use that equation, the two largest factors in their success this season and across this six-game winning streak, if they can use that to run to a Super Bowl, literally, to me, I think that does signify that whether it be Kyle Shanahan's, you know, sort of um, strategy on how to win football games or just an overall old-school, hardcore, smash-mouth, type of game that we saw dominate the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, even parts of the two thousands, it will be more impressive to me because it, it signifies that the game that a lot of fans fell in love with decades ago is still a way you can win in the modern game.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think this year is almost kind of the exception to that. Like, there's there's been a lot of talk from a, a lot of people around the NFL I remember it specifically early in the season I remember listening to a, a conversation that michael irvin had with Damon and Rato on 957 the game kind of the early returns on the 49ers defense think back to um, maybe after I'm not sure which week it was maybe the the win against the Rams after week three when they hold the held the Rams to nine points coming off after they Held Seattle to just seven points, and that was a special teams touchdown. And Michael Irvin, you know, said kind of around the league, and and he was right in this moment, you know, offense is down. This is early returns, this being a defensive year. And that trend has kind of continued up to this point. Scoring is down, offense is down, yards, you know, total yards are down. There's more turnovers. Defenses, by all accounts, are having a fantastic season. And that kind of to your point is not how that not the way that the game has been trending recently and that's why the conversation around Super Bowl teams has been you need an elite quarterback like the years of a Trent Dilfer playing you know well in the in, in the in the postseason Joe Flacco who had a fantastic postseason but generally not one of the elite quarterbacks in the league there's there's other examples as well those years are gone of late you need a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, of course, a, a Tom Brady, an Aaron Rodgers. You need someone like that. This year might be the exception. Maybe it's just kind of a, a one-year kind of a offshoot of the main trend. Maybe this is a signal that things are changing across the National Football League once again. But regardless of if it continues or not, the fact is that this is a defensive year in the NFL. And the Niners have the best defense in the league. So maybe this is the one year. Maybe the Niners got lucky in terms of timing. Maybe this is the one year where an elite, elite quarterback is not needed to win at all. And, and the Niners could certainly take advantage because Brock Purdy, as it stands right now, of course, is, is not among the elite at the quarterback position. Who knows what his future holds? Uh we'll find out about that as as the years go on. But the Niners might be in position. To take advantage of the the in-season trend this year, which is defenses are more important than they have been in the past. Maybe an elite quarterback isn't quite as important as it has been the last decade or so. You know, maybe postseason football will put, put an end to that trend and, and we'll be talking differently about that in a month or two. Um, but but right now I would say having an elite defense is is more important than it has been in years past. And maybe this is the year where where you don't quite need that uh, Hall of Fame quarterback to win it all.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely find out. All fantastic points and uh, something we'll be keeping an eye on. Want to remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast. Of course, coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. Feel free to follow everyone on social, eGiddings10, Mark Grandy with a C, Grandy with an I, at 415ers, Twitter, uh, Insta, all that good stuff. As we turn our attention now to the game itself, Mark, this this is this is a big game. I mean, it feels like, like every single year you get down the stretch of a season, each game becomes larger than the last. Uh, but of course, going up to Seattle, the place that the 49ers have not had a ton of success of in recent years, I believe the last time they won in Seattle was 2019, um, they have a chance to clinch the NFC West against a team that, I mean throughout the last decade or so has been quite easily their biggest rival. And I know some people myself included wrote them off a bit this year, but to me it's returned to that level of game because of what's at stake, because of the Seahawks playing with a sense of desperation coming off of a loss to Carolina. They lost actually I believe the last two game the last two games at Lumen Field, and the 49ers are obviously going on the road with Brock Purdy for the first time in a hostile environment. So it's a 5:15 kick on Thursday. Uh, It's a chance for everyone to watch, you know, to lock in on, on Amazon prime and, you know, however you, however you want to watch the game. Uh, But to me, Mark, this is, this is going to be a very interesting matchup and one in which I, I don't necessarily feel that confident in the 49ers in this matchup. We'll dig into it, but how do you feel at a glance?
1: Uh, you know, maybe we'll look back in, in a couple of days from now and and say what I said is foolish. But I am extremely confident in the Niners chances in, in this one. I think obviously I think Seattle, they're kind of fighting for their lives at this point. They're seven and six. The, the playoffs are murky now for them. You mentioned they've lost consecutive games at home. They've lost three of four overall. Remember, they lost to Tampa Bay in Germany uh, about a month ago. Now uh, they had a bye week. They lost at home to the Raiders, that incredible Josh Jacobs game where he had that walk-off, what, 80-yard touchdown run in overtime. They followed that up uh, with a win against the Rams in a really competitive ballgame on the road, and then they came home last week, as as you talked about, that loss to Carolina. So they've lost three of four, they're seven and six. They're fighting for their playoff lives. Um, Of course, they're also fighting for their lives in the NFC West. If they want to win the NFC West, they need to win this game. I don't think that's really much of their concern at this point they are not trying to win the NFC West they're trying just to make the playoffs Um, so all that said I think the Seahawks probably have a little more to play for in this game than the 49ers simply because the Niners are in a position to where they could drop a game or two and and still perfectly be in the postseason and, and even win the NFC West not to say the Niners aren't eager to win this game of course they are and then you know the the series history, it's been dominated by the Seahawks. You talked about that as well. I mean, you just look at the numbers at one point. Uh I mean, I have the number here somewhere. The Seahawks, here it was. The Seahawks were 17 and 3 in their last 20 against the 49ers before this season. The Niners got that win uh earlier this year, uh 27 to 7. But before that, the Seahawks 17 and three including a 10-game winning streak at one point over the 49ers. This has been a Seattle-dominated series of late, which I think that also then factors into the Niners and and maybe their, uh, I don't know, eagerness to, to get a win in this game as well. But despite all of that, despite the Seahawks playing for their lives, Evan, I'm confident I think simply the Niners are a better team, even without Debo Samuel, even with a, a quarterback making his first career road start. I think the Niners, they're they are better defensively. They're better offensively, despite the fact that Geno Smith is playing at a Pro Bowl level. We'll talk more about that. But I'm confident in this game. I, I hope I'm not returning to to this moment in the pod in a couple of days and and uh-huh. regretting what I said. But I'm confident of the Niners in Seattle. It's something that few people have said over the last decade or so.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. And I think a big part of that is how Seattle has looked lately and how, of course, the Niners have looked lately. Yeah. Uh, But to me, the reason why I would be worried about this game if I were the Niners is because of the things that you mentioned. And that is, Seattle has more to play for. Like Their season arguably is on the line in this game because of the rest of the NFC, because of them having still a chance to determine their own playoff destiny. Maybe not for the division, but that's also part of it too. The Niners can lose this game and still have a leg up in the division To me, this game means more for Seattle, and it's going to be a team that is ultimately desperate in every single sense of the word. Another part, too, which is, Seattle offensively has scored a lot of points. I think that will regress against the Niners' defense. Seattle does give up a lot of points, but they're also getting a couple of guys back this week, hopefully at this point, that we're assuming will be ready for Thursday. Defensively, Al Woods, a nose tackle. Decent run stopper. That'll help them. He's been banged up with an Achilles. Shelby Harris is also maybe with an illness defensive end that adds some depth outside. But the guy is Kenneth Walker for Seattle, who appears to be probable for this Thursday's game. And he did not play against Carolina. When Seattle has Kenneth Walker, when he had to essentially take over duties as a rookie out of Michigan State for Rashad Penny, who went down after week five. Kenneth Walker in his starts, Seattle's five and two. Like they play complimentary offensive football of course with geno smith who i want to get into but with kenneth walker in the backfield they are a different offense and against a 49ers team that look is great against the pass is great against the run doesn't allow a lot of points this is also a seahawks team that has been in the top 10 this year on third down they are opportunistic but they also have weapons that can beat you individually on the outside with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think those are both good one-on-one receivers. And I don't know if the 49ers have faced, again, all of that combined with a team as desperate as Seattle. I would even argue a few weeks ago in the big matchup with Miami that that was a bigger game to me for the 49ers than the Dolphins. I think this week the game is bigger for Seattle. That's why I would be a little bit scared if I were the Niners.
1: I hear you. Um, you know, desperate teams are dangerous, but when you consider the talent gap, and I know that this is a, a talented Seattle team, I mean, their offense, you you ran through some of the names, their, their receivers, Kenneth Walker, rookie running back out of Michigan state. He's phenomenal. If he closes out the season, well, he, he could potentially win the offensive rookie player of the year. Um, uh, There's a couple other guys up there as well. But, I mean, this is one of the most explosive offenses in the league, 108 explosive plays, which is uh, defined as 16-plus yard passes or or 12-plus yard rushes, fifth most in the NFL behind, you know, the elite offenses in the game, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, then Seattle, top five in explosive plays. In terms of percentage of their plays that are explosive, you know, you you can kind of weed out some of the, the offenses that have simply ran more plays and therefore are going to have more explosive plays. Seattle, third best explosive play percentage this year behind Miami and Kansas City. You could probably make a case. Those are two of the best offenses in the league. Uh, you look then as well at, at some of the other numbers, fewest three and outs in the league this year. San Francisco is actually number one with 17, but Seattle is fourth with 20. That's a really impressive number for the Seattle Seahawks. So in in more ways than just looking at how many points they score, how many yards Geno Smith is throwing for Kenneth Walker and his rushing totals, this is a really good offense. But where the 49ers have a gigantic advantage and maybe more of an advantage than they've had against almost anyone else this season, the Seattle Seahawks can simply not stop the run. They are so incredibly porous against the run this year. 31st in the NFL, second to last, allowing over 160 yards per game on the ground. We talk a lot about the 49ers and their magic number. They want to get into the 30s rushing the ball. When they get into the 40s, they are physically incapable of being beat. The Niners should be able to run the ball all Thursday night long in Seattle. If they do that with Christian McCaffrey, And with Jordan Mason, who looked really good for the 49ers in relief of McCaffrey late in games, they will have no problem winning this game. Seattle cannot stop the run. The Niners are great at that. That is the go-to for Kyle Shanahan. If it works on Thursday, which it should against this defense, the Niners will win the game.
0: Those are all fair points, and I'm totally with you. Like I'll even take it a step further. Not only has the run defense been as bad as you just mentioned, but recently it's been even worse. The last three games, they have given up 225 yards per game on the ground. Like they have been turnstiles on the defensive line. They cannot stop the run, which is why I don't, I, I guess we'll do it now. I kind of have I like, I don't think it's a bold prediction, Mark. Maybe it is. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I know we've discussed wanting to. Load manage some of the skill position players to make sure that they're ready for the postseason, to make sure they're ready for go time. Well, this Thursday it is go time, Mark, because the Niners, as much as I believe that this is a bigger game for Seattle, San Francisco would obviously love to win this game and will do everything it can to win this game to make sure that the last four games of the season are not as pressure filled. So if they want to wrap up the division, on Thursday at Lumen Field against the Seahawks, Christian McCaffrey will be a workhorse. He will need to be a workhorse. Now, this might be counterintuitive depending on how you've kind of seen Shanahan use or not use McCaffrey the last couple of weeks. He has ran 25 times this season once, and he was, the mem- he was still a member of the Carolina Panthers. I think he will run the ball 25 times, if not more, against the seahawks on thursday now he has ran it 18 times against the rams he ran it 17 times against the dolphins i think that number gets jacked up especially with a lot of first half touches to try and get ahead of this seattle team allow the defense to pin their ears back it starts with McCaffrey. and i think it starts on the ground with what you just mentioned how terrible they have been against the run To me, this will be a CMC number 23 heavy game for the 49ers. Brock Purdy's first road game. He's going to need someone to rely on, and that will be turning and handing the ball to Christian McCaffrey. 25 touches on the ground, at least on Thursday for CMC.
1: 25 on the ground. How many catches do you think he's getting? Is he going to get over 30 total touches?
0: It's looking that way, Mark. Uh,
1: I mean, he does have some success in his career, especially recently against Seattle. 412 scrimmage yards in yards in two career games against the Seahawks. It's, of course, over 200 per game, four total touchdowns in those two games. So he is uh, no stranger to beating up the Seahawks. He also is, has over 145 scrimmage yards, two straight weeks. He could do that for a third straight week. He's also approaching a pretty impressive milestone, Evan. He has 425 career catches. Christian McCaffrey does. He can surpass Roger Craig, who had 434 in his illustrious career, for the most catches by a running back in their first six seasons in NFL history. Unlikely to happen Thursday, you probably don't expect nine catches to tie Roger Craig, 10 to pass him. But certainly, assuming health and knock on wood, he will break that number this year before his sixth season comes to an end, which would be a, a phenomenal mark for Christian McCaffrey to pass Roger Craig for catches in their first six seasons in the NFL. But to your point, against an extremely porous run defense, he can go a long way for the 49ers in helping determining determine a victor. I, I, maybe I would steer away from the touches part of this thing, but... I would say if Christian McCaffrey is held under 100 total scrimmage yards in this game, the Niners probably lose. They need him to have a at least a decent game for his standards, which is over 100 yards from, you know, scrimmage, not just on the ground but including uh, you know, the 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 receiving yards. If he's over 100, Niners have a pretty good chance, but if the Seahawks can keep him under that threshold, I think there's a very good chance they come out victorious in this
0: one. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that they hold Christian McCaffrey under 100 yards. Probably like, not. I, now, it, but to me, and the reason, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout. Now, I know that doesn't really happen against the Niners' defense all too often, but Geno Smith has thrown two or more touchdowns in seven straight games, regardless of results. Like, he can light up a scoreboard. The issue is that the Seahawks' defense on the other side has not been able to hold any team, for the most part, below 25. And the Niners, apparently under Brock Purdy, uh, have found – a new way to put up a large amount of points. By the way, the San Francisco 49ers defense has allowed just one game with two or more passing touchdowns in their last six across this winning streak. Um, Geno Smith, to me, is like, I, I don't know how good he is or isn't for his career, but this year he is playing damn good football. And I think combined with the fact that it'll be a short week, it'll be tough conditions for the 49ers, Um, I also just think that like there's, there's something about Seattle and look, maybe Brock Purdy proves me wrong, Mark, but there's something about Seattle that has been just a little bit haunted for the 49ers. And the other thing statistically too, that I've been looking at Mark, like we talked the first, I think it was the first seven weeks of the season about how the 49ers defense could not create turnovers. Just could (laughs) not do it for whatever reason. Well, they've done it 13 times in their last five games alone, or maybe 12 times, I apologize. But either way, they have been a significant plus in the turnover differential category, including the last three weeks in which they've forced multiple. To me, that's going to regress a little bit this week against the Seahawks team that does a pretty decent job at taking care of the football. And Geno Smith, who largely has been pretty decent at not giving other teams other chances. I think the 49ers are still pull up, put up, put up points. But to me, the turnover differential win that the Niners have basically penciled in each of the last six weeks or six games, I should say, uh will come to an end.
1: Yeah, since week eight, the Niners have registered 12 takeaways. That's that's a gigantic number, and suddenly they're up to plus six turnover differential this season, which is tied for the fourth best mark in the NFL. Seattle, to your point, not bad in in that number, that area either. They're top 10 plus two on the season. They force a, a ton of fumbles, and uh, their rookie corner, Tariq Woolen, who if it weren't for Sauce Gardner would probably be the runaway defensive player of the year. I know Aiden Hutchinson for, for the Lions has been pretty good as well. Yeah, rookie, Gardner, yeah. Yeah, sorry, rookie defensive player of the year. Uh, Sauce Gardner is, is running away with that thing. He's been incredible for Robert Sala and the Jets. But Tariq Woolen, really good. Six interceptions, tied for the lead in the NFL, and he's just a rookie. Also 13 passes defensed. That's top 10 in the NFL. As a team for Seattle, they have forced 17 fumbles this year. Forcing 17 fumbles this season. That is tied for the top mark in the NFL, along with the Dallas Cowboys. So they're really good at at forcing fumbles. And in fact, another rookie corner, Kobe Bryant, alongside Tariq Woolen, he's forced four fumbles individually, which is also tied for first among individuals in the NFL. So they have uh, some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. And and you talk about Geno Smith. I want to get out this, this really kind of. Mind-blowing Geno Smith's stat here really quick. I know we just have a couple of minutes left. Um, So Geno Smith, he started this year tying the NFL record with 12 consecutive games, completing 60% of his passes with an 80-plus passer rating. Each previous player that did that went on to win the MVP award that year. The others to do it, Aaron Rodgers in 2011, Peyton Manning in 2009, and Steve Young in 1992. That streak probably ends. I, I don't think Geno Smith is going to win the MVP, but it just kind of puts into perspective the season he's having because it's really easy to just write it off and say, well, it's Geno. He's having a good year, sure, but he's not incredible. Um, but but I, he's having a fantastic season.
0: Yeah, I also do think that he has had some help from having great weapons, solid running game. Uh, one thing to note, though, however, Geno Smith has been sacked the sixth most times in the NFL this year. So the 49ers defense might be able to get after him a little bit. I do want to get to our predictions before we get out of here. Mark, just a couple of minutes left in the 415ers podcast right before the 49ers take on the Seahawks. I've kind of alluded to it, Mark, but I think this is a tough spot for the 49ers. And we've seen some teams that are inferior late in the year in these Thursday night short week matchups at home be able to do a decent job of taking advantage of their opponents. So I want to say that I'm going to take the Seahawks in this game to win. I think they get it done barely at home, but I also want to give you the opportunity in a couple of minutes um, to give your prediction. I would say 27-24 is going to be my prediction. Uh, Grandy is on the move right now. And so we'll have an opportunity to vamp here in this episode. But basically the reasons why, and we've kind of touched on all of them, I think this is a tough spot for the 49ers. They have a lot of momentum, six wins in a row. So I think they're due for a bit of regression. I think the turnover differential will come back to close to even if not in favor of Seattle team that as Mark laid out is opportunistic in its takeaways And I also think that with Geno Smith offering enough of a dual threat against a 49ers defense that has struggled with dual threat quarterbacks this season and taking care of the football, that that will be just enough to overcome how terrible their run defense has been to overcome the weapons on the San Francisco 49ers side minus Debo Samuel and overcome Brock Purdy. Who has been a wonder kid so far in his first? We'll call it two starts. Official one, um, his first game on the road. I think is going to be a tough test for him, and that's all of which together why I would give Seattle the slight edge. I'll take the Seahawks at home, twenty-seven to
1: twenty-four. Interesting. Thanks for sticking with me there, Evan. Yeah, I just uh, I got booted out of the studio I was in by uh, Ray Ratto, so we can we can blame. Mr. Ratto. I know. Right. (laughs) Uh, So podcast on the move in a a little uh, auxiliary studio on the side right now, but interesting pick. I think the Niners come out on top in this one. Um, Again, I'm, I'm talking about reasons to be confident. I think it's the run game. You mentioned touches for Christian McCaffrey. That's certainly something to keep an eye on in this one. I'll go Niners coming out on top 24 to 17 in this game. Uh, they beat Seattle. I, I think they're going to be up by two scores for much of this game. Seattle gets a score late to get within one score, but the Niners' defense don't let them get a second to to tie the game and try to force overtime. I think Niners come out on top. 24-17 to 17 is the final. And I think the Niners, uh, for the second time in a, in a handful of years, remember the 2019 regular season ended in Seattle with the Niners winning when Dre Greenlaw tackled Jacob Hollister at like the one-inch line to win that game to claim the one seed in the NFC and to win the NFC West all in that one play. I think the Niners will be celebrating on the uh, grass of Lumen field in Seattle as a uh, NFC West division champions. Once again, 24 to 17.
0: So Mark has got the Niners covering. He also has the under, I believe the Seahawks will cover and also win the game, but I, I'm also taking the over in this one, one nugget I was looking at. I think it's the Seahawks are, eight and five to the over this year. Ooh, kind of interesting. A um, little bit, a little bit better at home, but we will of course check in after the game on Thursday night. We appreciate you tuning into this episode of the four one fivers podcast download, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a four one fivers production brought to you by the odyssey sports podcast network with 95 seven, the game I'm Evan Giddings. That's more grandy. We'll talk to you next time.